Some troubling numbers uh, this week um, that I think have a lot of people concerned and should have all of us concerned, realistically. Um, Reporting from the province shows that so far, 30 children or young adults um, who were receiving support from the government died between just April 1st and October 30th of this year. Four more died so far in November, uh, bringing the total to 34 so far, which is the highest number of deaths um, in a number of years, more than a decade, as a matter of fact. And another concerning aspect of this, Indigenous deaths were more than three times the number of non-Indigenous individuals, 23 compared with just seven. Um, the highest we've seen since at least 2008. Now there's calls to, okay, we've got to get a handle on this. We've got to deal with this. So... Um, The NDP is calling for an all-party committee, and joining us to give us a little more insight on that, we have Raki Pancholi, who is the NDP MLA for Edmonton White Mud and the official opposition critic for Children's Services. Um, Raki, thanks so much for your time. I really appreciate you joining us today. Thanks, Jay. I appreciate you having me on for this conversation. This, these are troubling numbers, right? I mean, I don't think anybody can look at this and say, oh, no big deal. I mean, this is, this is very, very disturbing. Yeah, and I have to say, as a mother myself, it's really difficult to see these these statistics. This is a really grim record for us. As you mentioned, these are the highest numbers that we have seen uh, since we started to co- collect and report this information. And this is just so far this year. We still have uh, almost five months left yeah. in this year. So, um, I mean, we're this is a really heartbreaking, heartbreaking statistic. So you're calling for an all-party all panel. Um, tell us what that would look like and what their work would be. Yeah, so let's be clear, of course, the child intervention system uh, has been something that we should be paying attention for a very long time. Uh, And it's our most vulnerable children and families and young people. These are, you know, kids have experienced remarkable trauma, more than most Albertans would have ever experienced. So back in 2017, when the NDP was government, we actually did implement uh, and put together an all-party panel, so representatives from all parties, uh, as well as experts and community leaders, Indigenous leaders, to... Uh, to look at the child intervention system and make recommendations. And 26 recommendations came out of that. Um, Some were implemented right away while the NDP were government. Uh, But since 2019, we've had no formal update on the implementation of those recommendations. Now, the goal of those recommendations were to improve outcomes for children in care, primarily, as you mentioned, the overrepresentation of Indigenous children mm-hmm. in care. So, you know, I've been calling on the government for the last two years to provide a very detailed update on the progress on that work and what's been implemented, what's working, what's not working. But I've, I've failed to get any uh, clear information from this government about what work they're doing. But I think at this point, um, the, the statistics we're talking about today, unfortunately, speak for themselves. They they really show that whatever has been done or uh, the implementation that, that's gone on so far is not working because we are seeing uh, record numbers mm-hmm. of children and young people age, aging out of care who are dying. So we're saying we need to come back together, uh, a multi-party, non-partisan panel, to look at what work has been done and really take action uh, both immediately to address uh, the concerns, and uh, but also to develop a real strategy plan going forward as to how we're going to improve outcomes for kids. You mentioned the report that was done. I think it was 2018 when it was struck, the committee was struck, and the, and the report came. What were the recommendations? What were the things that were mentioned as something that needed to be done? And what was the timeline? Because obviously, um, it's not going fast enough. 
Yeah, absolutely. And those recommendations span a number of things. So, of course, there was legislative changes. Part of the thing that we uh, included at the time was that uh, that just what we're talking about right now, that those statistics around children who die and are injured in care, there's, there's regular reports now done by the Office of the Child and Youth Advocate. We talked about the importance of making sure that frontline staff um, are trained in culturally appropriate learnings because, of course, of the overrepresentation of Indigenous children. We taught there's strategies and recommendations around youth suicide, around mental health and addiction, uh, around, uh, you know, uh, uh, young people with disabilities, uh, and supporting the family as a whole. Um, there's talk about, of course, making sure that there's equitable services both on reserve and off reserve for children in the child intervention system. So there's a number of sh- immediate, short-term, long-term um, recommendations and actions. And again, as I said, we don't know how many of them have been implemented mm-hmm. so far and what progress has been made. Um what about the fact that we don't know how the vast majority of these children died? We don't know for sure exactly yeah. the cause of death. Um, that would be fairly instructive, I think, wouldn't it? I agree. Um, certainly, as we see, the statistics still show that a number of the the causes of death are still pending uh, an investigation uh, and outcome. Those uh, those results take a very long time to, uh, I guess, be disclosed. If you watch the statistics, they're pending for quite some time. But I think we have to highlight some choices that have been made over the, the last two years by this government, because as we know, these are particularly vulnerable families. We know the pandemic hit. Everybody knew that when the pandemic hit, those families that were most in crisis and most in need would be hit the hardest. So we knew, you know, uh, poverty, inequality, isolation, addiction, mental health challenges would all be exacerbated. And one of the decisions that the that this government chose to go forward with during a pandemic was to cut off supports for young people aging out of care. So there is a support system in place uh, where financial supports are given to these young people who, remember, are in government care, don't have, uh, you know, parents of their, their own that are providing a support system. Um, and they get these financial supports and this government lowered the age of eligibility from uh, 24 to 22 for these young people. And uh, that was really, uh, honestly, quite a cruel decision. It's been challenged in court. The challenges continue to go forward. The Minister of Children's Services herself said she would not go forward with cutting off these supports during the pandemic uh, for these young people. But we've learned this week that she did go forward with those changes. Um, And then when you look at the, the statistics, 16 of those 34 uh, young people who have died since just April are in that category. They're young people aging out of care, about over 18, who are on this program that this government has cut. So when we look at, um, you know, what what needs to be done immediately to address the, the concerns, well, this government needs to reverse that decision to um, to lower the age of eligibility for those supports because we are seeing an impact. We absolutely see that group of young people being most affected. Well, to be fair, the minister said, yeah, you're right, they did lower the age from 24 to 22, but she said there are other support, supports available for people in that that age group, and she says, well, over 90% of the people in that age group taken off the supports they were on have been transitioned to other supports. So it's not like, you know, if over 90% of them found some other form of support, it's not like they were completely left hanging. Well, let's be clear that the information that the minister provided was that this change affects roughly about 450 young people, uh, the lowering of that age of eligibility. Only 139 of those young people have been transitioned to other supports. And those other supports are things like age and PDD and income supports. Those are not the same level of financial support as they were receiving under the Supports and Financial Assistance Agreement program. What it also does, by the way, is it they're temporary supports, uh, these adult supports, but it also cuts these young people off 
staff from caseworkers that they have been, you know, working with probably the only trusted adult that they've had, the only emotional support they've had since they were in care. It cuts them off from that support as well. It's one of the reasons why this is being challenged in court is because that can, the only consistency that some of these young people have has been that caseworker. When they're off of this program and move on to other supports, they don't get that consistency anymore. They don't have that person in their life anymore. It is not an appropriate or an equitable uh, level of support to move them on to adult supports. And really, um, we have to ask the question of, you know, why, why would the minister recognize that and promise in February of this year that she would not move these young people off of these supports? And she did not keep that promise. The pandemic is still going on and she moved forward mm-hmm. with cutting off people when she said she wouldn't. Um, last one. Uh, last time we talked about this, 2018, was under the NDP government uh, when we mm-hmm. had numbers that were really alarming and really concerning. Um, you say you got started on some of the th- recommend. What, what was done by the, UC, uh, by the NDP before they were replaced by the UCP? Yeah, so part of what we did when uh, when we were in government, the immediate actions we took were to make changes to the legislation to require those uh, reviews by death reviews by the Office of the Child and Youth Advocate. We implemented uh, cultural understanding frameworks to train staff um, on uh, how to be provide cu- culturally appropriate care. Um, we uh, we did a lot of work to make sure that that uh, the initial framework and uh, policy changes were happening to make sure that uh, you were focusing more on keeping families together. Um, and working to keep them together rather than, um, you know, apprehending and separating families from the beginning. So that was the beginning of the work, right? But it was always recognized that there had to be ongoing work. And the timeline that we put in was that all of these recommendations should be implemented uh, by 2022. That's only a couple months away. And right now we're hearing that the vast majority of those uh, recommendations have not been completed at all. Some work has not even begun under the UCP government. So I think Albertans uh, should... uh, support the idea of a a new panel coming together to take a look at what's been done. Uh, We need to address this. This is a heartbreaking crisis that we're facing, and uh, really all Albertans should feel responsible for this. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Rocky, thank you for your time. I will point out that the minister is saying that, no, we've begun or completed all but one of the recommendations. So I just want to clarify that that's the response we're getting from the government. But we'll ask her about that in a couple of minutes. Thank you for your time. Thank you very much, Jay. Appreciate it. That is Rocky Pancholi, who is the minister, uh, who is the critic for Children's Services in the province of Alberta.